From the first whistle blow till the game is on the line. This is Stoppage Time. I'm Greg. And I'm Tyler. And we are here with you with the Champions League reviews and debates. Guys, thank you. This is episode number five of Stoppage Time. Tyler, how are you doing this fine day, sir? I'm doing great. Um, happy to have uh, Champions League back. I think there's a lot of fascinating things going on, and I did miss talking about them, even though I enjoyed our conversation about injuries. Yeah, just a lot going on, and I, I really, really started diving into my Premier League during the break. So anything you want to know about the Premier League, I could probably talk about, because I watched the games, even the early ones, which are on at 5 in the morning here in Denver. So No, I refuse. <laughs> But before we get started on anything else, guys, and, and before we start talking this football talk with you guys, we want to pay tribute to one of the world's greatest football players of all time, Diego Maradona, who unfortunately has passed away at the age of 60. And we're going to do that with a little did you know. So Tyler, did you know that Maradona was part of four World Cups winning 1986 World Cup defeating West Germany. I did. Uh, it's considered uh, one of his best performances uh, ever. It's one of the reasons why he is the legend that he is was because of his performance there. Did you know that he had 312 career goals across all competitions in 588 appearances? Well, I did know that he had a heap load of goals. I did not know that he had 588 appearances. This was one that I did not know until today. Thank you, Tyler, for that piece of information. Tyler, did you know that Diego Maradona has won the Serie A twice with Napoli, where he spent the majority of his professional career? I only knew that because I caught the beginning of the Napoli game uh, in the Europa League uh, this weekend. And... Uh, they, they did mention that during his uh, moment of silence. So I, that, that is the only reason that I knew that, though. I did not know that as of a few days ago. <laughs> Sounds good. Did you know, Greg, that Maradona holds the record for suffering the most number of fouls in the World Cup? 53, which was during that 1986 World Cup that he won. I had no idea. I, I didn't even know that there was a record for, for a most <laughs> amount of being fouled. I, I, you know, he, he had to be a soldier. And back in the day, they got fouled. There was, there was hardly any diving. And that's why, so when you're talking about getting fouled, he got fouled. And I'm which, also we, seeing, which we can get into for some of these games that we're going to talk about too. Because oh, there, well, there's, there's, there's a refing problem in the Champions League, but this isn't about that yet. No. <laughs> but Tyler, did you know? that in 2005, Maradona starred hosting a talk show on Argentinian television, which had Pelé as his main guest on his first show, despite their rivalry. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. not going to lie. I, I think it's kind of like the, uh, for, for, for your Lakers fans, you know, the Shaq-Kobe thing. Like, they didn't really like each other on the court, but, you know, there was still that respect for, for each other uh, outside of that. So. That's, uh, that's always good to see. Absolutely. So, I mean, with that being said, at the end of it all, you know, Maradona was and will always be a national treasure for the Argentinian, for the Argentinian community, for, Argentin, uh, for Argentina as a whole, and he will be sorely missed. 
Yeah, it's 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 a huge loss to the uh, the football world. Absolutely. So let's get our kickoff, Tyler. How was match days seven and eight in the Champions League? A lot of stuff went down this week, guys. Tuesday and Wednesday was lit. And I'm talking <laughs> about there, there are a couple games that we're going to – there are a couple incidents that we're going to get into. But just for the over, overview, Tyler, give me match day seven. So match day seven, Sevilla defeated Krasnodar 2-1. to one. Chelsea defeated Reign 2-1 to one as well off, on a stoppage time goal by Olivier Giroud. Dortmund convincingly beat uh, Club Brugge 3 nothing. Greg's Barcelona 4-0 winners over Dynamo Kiev. Juventus wins 2-1 also on a stoppage time go- goal over Frank Veros. That was actually a great game. Just side note, we're not really going to talk about it much, but I want to give that game its due. That was a heck of a game. <laughs> uh, Lazio defeated Zenit 3-1. Man United, our, our perennial whipping boy, Wins four to one against Istanbul Başakşehir, and PSG winning against Leipzig one nothing. Much to well, we'll 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 get into it. Greg, what are some notables from day seven for you? So some match day notables. I got I got the three word game for you, right? So the first three words are, it's Viking time. Holland is a beast. That Borussia Dortmund game kind of showed me a lot about what this kid is capable of. The six foot four, 20 year old Norwegian is an animal. And we'll get into that a little bit more later on in this podcast. Number it's two. To me, it's, it's crazy to me he's 20. I'm sorry. 20, 20 years old. 20 years old, <laughs> six foot four. I don't have his weight. I'm about to find out how, how heavy this kid <laughs> is. But, you know, he's, he's built, he's built unconventional to the the strikers but we'll get to that second in my three-word game barca juve in the spots are secured barcelona juventus are through undisputedly we just have to see whether they go number one or number two lastly on (laughs) my three-word game did not deserve and that goes to psg's Poor skate-through performance win against Leipzig. Leipzig had them on the ropes. Stats not included. Just from the eye test, it was a messy game, but we're going to get into that later. Yeah, we, we have plenty to say on PSG. <laughs> plenty. Plenty. There's, there's a whole other podcast that could be devoted to that performance. Next up, match day eight. Tyler, run us through the scores. So Mönchengladbach continues their domination of Shakhtar, winning four nothing. I believe the total of the the two games was ten to zero. Wow! Just putting that out there. Man City defeated Olympiacos one to nothing. Ajax wins three to one over Midland. That game could have been seven eight to one. Uh, Atletico Madrid and Lokomotiv Moscow tie zero zero. Bayern Munich defeats Salzburg. 3 to 1. Real Madrid defeats Inter Milan 2 to nothing. Atalanta with the surprise win over Liverpool 2 to nothing. And Porto defeated Marseille 2 to nothing. Greg, your notables. So, notables, three word game again. First one, Borussia is here. Munchen Gladbach is shown again, as Tyler said, 10 goals to nothing against this team. 
uh, against Shakhtar, and and it was it was a, an incredible display. Super quick, fast, beautiful football. It wasn't scrappy at all. They're showing their worth, and I think could be a dark horse in this competition moving into the round of 16. Next up, we have quicker than fast. Vidal probably breaking a record for getting the quickest second yellow card in a game of all time. That's something that I'll have to research and see, but it's, it was definitely, it, it was, you know, we all learn playing this sport. You do not, you do not approach the, the referees like that, and I'll get into that a little bit more. Next three-word game, next man up Liverpool's second string team was outplayed by Atalanta and I don't want you guys to sleep on Atalanta they are a, a force to be reckoned with and someone that should be taken seriously but it just showed to the fact that that Liverpool doesn't have any uh, they don't have the depth that uh, Bayern Munich has and they're playing with they're playing with players in this competition an experienced competition with a bunch of young players that are fresh out of the academy We'll probably get into that as well and as to the issues that we've been observing in this short season. So, Tyler, give me the group standings A to H. Let's go. Group A, Bayern Munich leads with 12 points. Atletico Madrid with, uh, comes up next with five. Locomotive Moscow next with three. Salzburg with one. We can go ahead and put uh, Bayern through. This, this is very clear, and our apologies. I didn't set this up. If the team's through, I'm going to say it. We're going to try to close out some of these spots for the uh, round of 16, and Bayern Munich has one of those spots. Group B, an insane group, uh, which is Borussia Mönchengladbach with eight, leading the way. Right on their heels is Real Madrid with seven. Shakhtar follows with four. Enter with two. Can't call this one at all. No, not yet. It's too close. Group C, Man City uh, leads with 12. Porto follows with nine. Olympiacos follows with three. And Marseille still has not gotten a point. It's looking like Man City and Porto will end up going through, but we're not really going to say who's going to be first, who's going to be second. That it's kind of a coin toss. Let's see what happens when they play each other. But for right now, I think they're both through. Uh, Olympiacos has had trouble uh, scoring goals, and you need to do that. Well, they Man City already beat them one nothing, but you know I don't think that they're gonna be able to to really catch up to Porto. Mm-hmm. Group D, another fascinating group. Liverpool <laughs> leads with nine. Ajax and Atalanta are both tied with seven and Midland still has not gotten a point. They have zero. I don't know who's going to make it through this group. I think that I Ajax and Atalanta are hungry. Liverpool is struggling. We, at least on the surface, we can tired. We can say they're tired. Yeah. They're very tired and they are running out of players, but we'll get into that uh, here soon. Group E. Chelsea and Sevilla lead both with 10 points and Krasnodar and Reign follow with one apiece. Chelsea and Sevilla are through. We, again, don't know who's going to get first, who's going to get second, but Krasnodar and Reign cannot catch up. Chelsea and Sevilla have secured their spots in the round of 16. Group F, Dortmund leads with nine. Lazio right on their heels with eight. 
Bruga with four in third, and Zinnit bringing up the rear with one. The way Dortmund's playing, I think that they're through. It'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens when they play Lazio. Um, but uh, again, another group. Uh, your your Brugge boys, Greg. I, I don't know if they're going to do it. They needed a better showing against Dortmund. Um, yeah, I, I I don't I don't think that's it. But uh, like we said, with it, there's two more games. This is where it's starting to get hot. Um, but the way that the, they keep Holland and he stays healthy and he plays uh, the next two games into the round of 16, they're more than likely through. Lazio. Uh, Lazio is the one that's in danger right now, um, but we'll see how that goes. Group G, Barcelona leads with 12, Juventus follows with nine, and then bringing up the rear with both with one point, Dynamo Kiev and Ferrik Veros. Barcelona and Juventus are through. Round of 16 secured. I wouldn't be surprised when they played each other, especially if they rested a lot of their uh, their players a game that was exciting on paper when it was announced now will probably be uh, kind of a mundane game, Yeah, unfortunately. The, the opportunity for them to be competitive has passed, um, seeing that uh, you know the earlier game would have been more exciting than this one, but you're absolutely right. Messi wasn't even in the stadium this past week. He, he, did, not, he did not come over with the rest of the team. So... I, I don't see them risking it when they're so they're not they're not where they're supposed to be in their domestic league. So why would they risk having their players, their key players out there? And PK is also injured, so there's no uh, there's there's no reason to risk your top players in that situation. And finally, Group H, our favorite group to talk about. Man United leads with nine. PSG and Leipzig are tied with six. And Istanbul Bashakshir is in fourth with three. <sighs> I, I, I don't want to devote too much time to trying to analyze this group because we're about ready to. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll just say it is what it is. And this is, at least this group is entertaining to watch. Yeah. Because for, it, it's, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say this, I would say this, and I started off a couple episodes ago saying that you cannot take what's going on in the Champions League in a vacuum. There are games that are, playing, that are being played outside. Players have to deal with COVID. Players have to deal with internationals. Players have to deal with, with you know, personal struggles. We're seeing a lot of personal struggles right now in Barcelona, but they're still top of the group in the Champions League. If it was just, if it were, if it was like American sports where everything is kind of contained within one bubble. So the playoffs are the playoffs. Especially in the NBA, in, in the NFL, in the MLB, the playoffs are the playoffs are the playoffs. These guys have games within their, their schedules that dictate the way in which some of these results are played. And like we, like we talked about, resting players in order to, to be more um, beneficial within the tournament or if you need to pull these guys out. So some of these games aren't going to be competitive just based on that. So we're at our halftime, right? A little halftime report. This is where me and Tyler kind of get into what we've been noticing and kind of sharing our opinions is what's been going down. Now we have five, we have four topics today <laughs> to get through. Uh, in, in past weeks, we, we had two, we had one, we had, uh, sometimes we had none. We just talked about what was going on, 
But guys, this is this is a lot going on right now. So the first thing Tyler said, PSG and Man United proved both of us wrong for now. Now I would say this, Man United had a great game, great touches, cool and controlled and cohesive throughout that game. The fastest pace of football I've seen from them all season. And mainly was a younger team. They didn't have Pogba on the field uh, th- that day. Um, they didn't have Jones in the back. It was, it was a well-played game. Kudos to them. I'm done talking about Manchester United. I'm not. Really quickly. As I said, I watched a lot of Premier League games. This Man United team is a completely different one than showed up this past weekend against West Brom. That team looked lost. That team looked like the Man United that we've kind of been making fun of and poking, you know, poking holes in this whole time. And then they turned around and had this fantastic performance starting Donny van de Beek, mm-hmm. which they don't do in the Premier League. <laughs> he doesn't really necessarily fit with their offense, but when he's on the field, it looks like they win. I, I, did, I did also notice the, the, the lack of Pogba in this complete game. Well, I know that he's, he's injured, but I don't know. I'm, I'm going to try and see if I could find a connection between that and this. Vandenberg did play a good game, um, and, and I'm telling you, it was, it was the fastest, most free-flowing game I've seen them play. But for the sake of time and for the sake yeah. of, of what I'm going to run into next, <laughs> now, Tyler, you, and, and the audience out there, tell me, tell me something. Have you ever gotten something you did not deserve, Tyler? Was there ever a time yeah. that, that you've received? Guys out there, have, have you ever had a, a present given to you from a girlfriend, wife, boyfriend, husband, whatever, and you know that you've been a crappy partner all year? This yeah. was the general feeling that I had watching the PSG Leipzig game. They were, despite the going up one nothing and eventually winning one nothing on a penalty, which we can argue shouldn't have been called. Shouldn't have been called. Which, I got, I got, I got a new one for the referees too. The the referees that, that I I've seen so many weak fouls being called and being carded at that. Now I know that earlier on a couple episodes back, you you um, you debated with me as as to a PK red card whether he deserved it or not, and I'm retracting my statement and saying probably that shouldn't have been a, a, that harsh of a card based on the intensity of the tackle. Well, and, uh, and we'll get into this, you know, a little bit later, but just to kind of set it up, where, where does that leave the, the foul against Vidal? Yeah. That, that resulted in him getting the two very, very quick yellow cards mm-hmm. and Milan playing a man down for the majority of the game. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very frustrating because, and I think I texted you this when we, when we were talking about the games before this, you know, I, I've seen worse not get called and I've seen, mm. I've actually seen less get called, mm. which is why sometimes when I, when I see you so sh- very surely, like, yeah, that was a penalty or I'm like, was it that? That's why I'm always like, was it? Was because it like, yeah. I feel like I can always come up with the opposite example mm-hmm. of why it wasn't. Yeah, because this was not a penalty in the PSG game, and for sake of argument, I don't know that I, I think that they actually made the right call in in the Vidal game. But we can, yeah. we can, we can actually, we'll, we'll, that. yeah, we'll we'll get there. But PSG did not deserve this game, no, at all. 
and and this is why I want to say I want to I want to put the the penalty itself aside. They played the they played some scrappy, incohesive, a mess of a game. They played a mess of a like the 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 offense wasn't communicating. The defense was the defense got lucky a few times. Leipzig was knocking on the door. They had I think that Leipzig had sixty three percent possession on that game. Now I, I I usually said don't look at the stats, but just based on based on the stats alone, they didn't deserve to to win that game. Based on the eye test, just eyeballing the game, they didn't deserve to win that game. Now I understand that a win is a win is a win, but I don't feel confident. Like I, if if you're a PSG fan and you're sitting back and you're saying everything seems like it's going to be smooth now because they're second in the competition. I would reserve my comments like that for later. I, I don't think that it's, it's not even close to being over with these guys yet. And they have not proven to me that they're the same PSG from last year. And honestly, I might have to go and watch some of those last year games to see if they really deserve to be in the position that they were in in the first place. Now, you can't get to the finals of the Champions League without having some level of quality. And not saying that the players on the team are bad, right? Kempembe is a monster. Neymar is, is one of the world's best. So is Mbappe. But what's happening with the team and their ability to play together does not look good to me. And this was a PSG team. I know we, you know, in our previous episode, we had talked about injuries, and this is one of the teams that we focused on. Neymar is back. Mm-hmm. Mbappe is back. Verratti is back. The only one who isn't in their starting lineup, um, actually two people, is Kimpembe, which you mentioned, mm-hmm. and Burnett. Right. Burnett's out for, like, months. He, he will not be back for this competition. Kimpembe might be. But you you have this team that for all the success that they have, and like we, we haven't even talked about, you know, the big name on their back line, Marquinhos. Marquinhos is one of the best center backs mm-hmm. out there. We haven't even talked about Angel Di Maria, who is insanely talented. This team has so much going for it, and this game was dirty. Yeah. Not just in play style, but some of these, uh, I'm I'm looking at the the page now, there were five yellow cards given in that game to PSG players. One of them, you could have tossed Verratti. Yeah. Yeah. Verratti should have gotten a red card and Mm -hmm. gotten taken out of the game. Mm -hmm. That was dirty. I think Neymar had a pretty dirty one in, mm-hmm. in that too. Like if, if you're the head coach of that team, uh, Thomas Tuchel, if you're, that, if you're Thomas Tuchel, you can't be happy with that. No. And you gotta, you got to get a hold on this team quick. Now, yeah. You're, you're looking at five yellow cards to the one on the opposite end. You're looking at statistically – these guys, you know, they took eight shout. They took eight shots. Uh, five were off target. Versus Leipzig taking fifteen shots. Right, looking at a situation where they had thirty 
38% of the ball, which means that they were chasing the game the majority of the time. And that's just based on the stats. But beyond the stats, it was not a pretty game. Now, they do have to face off what seems to be a, a newly getting heated up Man United team in Old Trafford. Man United has their next game in the Premier League on Sunday um, with a short rest between that game and the PSG matchup. They have seven injuries so far, so this is still no guarantee that Manchester will beat them. Now, Manchester has beaten them before in this same competition, but based on the eye test, that, this is just me, Tyler. Based on the eye test, if PSG loses this game against Man United, it could be the end of their run in the Champions League. And, and honestly, uh, I hate to, to, to not sound unbiased, but it might be for the best. Yeah. The, this team, <laughs> Way to sound unbiased, sir. <laughs> I, I think considering my, my, my overall thoughts on the team, I think that was pretty restrained. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think Man U beats them. They, they've, they've got renewed confidence. Bruno Fernandez is played lights out in that in that game mm-hmm. against Assemble Bashikshir. Well, he had a, a beautiful goal. Inclu- beautiful goal. I would say a corker of a goal. Oh that, my goodness. Th- that is one of those shots that you dream of. Yeah. For j- just very quickly, a ball bounced out to him outside the box and he one-timed it upper right-hand corner. Yeah, keepers not getting that, and that thing was a rocket. Oh, like it, it was, was, it it wasn't a lob or anything like that to beat the mm-hmm. keeper. You 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 aren't stopping that. You don't see was, shots like that often. It was a complete scorcher. It showed it showed the legwork in the gym. That's what that showed. That's what that showed. It was a complete missile, guys. Like the, if you got the opportunity, go back and watch the highlights. That was a beautiful goal. So yeah, I, I see I see him losing it as well. I see him losing it, and I mean. I'm not, I'm not trying to be unbiased. I don't like PSG. Never did. I don't think I ever will. Um, so anytime that – so, the, for example, the last year in the, um, for the finals, I, I didn't even feel in, intrigued to watch the game because, you know, Bayern Munich was a monster. I'm not generally a fan favorite of, that as, of them as well. Um, I don't know why. I don't have any reason why. But I just think that PSG, PSG's – this is, this, this is the thing. PSG's brand speaks to me like they're a spoiled child. I know that might sound harsh, but it's true. That's just how their brand feels to me. That's my impression of their brand. If you're a PSG fan out there and you're, you're swearing at the, at the, at the <laughs> top of your lungs at the, at the computer or in your headphones, you'd be like, what is he talking about? Dude, that's just how I feel. I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about the club to be more educated, but there's just, there's just nothing. There's nothing. There's no substance there. And, um, and it shows, it shows. I think that this last game was of a, was a, ta- a tantrum that, that they were kicking up and they, they did everything dirty to possibly obtain the win. And they were fortunate to get that call. Well, probably not so fortunate. I don't want to throw those allegations out there, but probably, you know, we're fortunate to get that uh, that penalty, and then kind of held the rest of the game playing the way that they played. And I, I will put penalty in air quotes for you. It was not <laughs> a penalty. That, that should that should never have been called. What we can call, as Greg alluded to 
in when we were doing our group stage, our uh, day seven wrap up. Erling Holland is a monster, a, a complete beast. I think I'm going to start calling him Thor. How does that <laughs> feel? Uh, should I call him Thor? He's the god of thunder. Do it. This guy is quicker than fast. And I don't know what else to say about it. Now, Tyler had mentioned Holland's ability to me earlier. I was skeptical. I said, we'll see how it goes. This is, he's 20 years old. He has so much time to develop. But guys, have you seen the ball control <laughs> on this guy? Now, now, there was another striker by the name of Peter Crouch who played for England. He was a tall, lanky guy. Didn't have this level of ball control. Didn't have this level of pace. He is fast. He is strong. He is tall. He's thick. He is everything. He's like a linebacker almost. He, he is, he's dominant in that forward position and has instincts of a cat. So the, the, the second goal that he scored, I thought initially was an offside goal. Right, based on my my old football mind, once you're past the line, no matter who kicks it forward, it's 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 an offside. He's, he was lingering back there. He was in line with almost the the keeper when he knocked that one in. But regardless, to be that quick on the shot, I said, "What is he? Left foot, the right foot? It no, doesn't matter." The keeper wasn't even ready for it. He was not. Now, I, now, I'm thinking that Holland is an outlier because I remember when Cristiano Ronaldo was 17, 18 years old, he was considered one of the taller forwards, taller strikers. Now, he was playing a little bit of midfield. He was playing on the right, right mid um, area. But in terms of his ability to go forward, he was more nimble and quick at a time where the average striker height and weight was, you know, you know five foot seven, five foot nine, 170. 75 pounds um his he was able to dominate within that space holland is even past that he is as tall as a goalkeeper he is as wide as a goalkeeper i don't know what his wingspan is but he looks long <laughs> he 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 looks he looks long and big up front but the, this is the funny part based on the eye test he doesn't look unorthodox to me he doesn't look like he doesn't belong there peter crouch looked like he didn't belong in the front that's just my opinion. He didn't look like he belonged in the, in, in the front of, um, of the line. Holland looks like he's at home there. I agree. And he, uh, I think I mentioned this last time uh, in the game previous to this. Uh, Holland shows that he wasn't just a breakaway scorer in that game. Mm-mm. He has footwork. He has smarts. And he knows where to be to get rebounds. He mm-hmm. knows where to be to get the follow-up shot. And that's the sign of a good striker. He is mm-hmm. always in the right place at the right time because he's got the instinct. And that right place at the right time has earned him the youngest player who was the fastest of 15 goals in the Champions League. Uh, we, now, I want to also talk about how delicious that Jaden Sancho free kick was. was oh, wow, beautiful. Tyler. Oh, wow. Was, to me, that was the best free kick of the competition, if not for the year so far. It was wicked. A scorcher of a shot. I think it was 32 yards out or 31 yards. No, it was, it, was, it was closer than that. But still, like to have that level of whiz on that ball, it, it, it actually reminded me 
in reverse of the Roberto Carlos Carlos goal in many World Cups ago. I'm not going to get into to the stats <laughs> of that. All if you're a football fan, you should know what I'm talking about. But just the way in which the ball danced in the air and had that misdirection. I haven't seen a curl shot like that. Not not in too long. I've seen Messi do it in a, in a couple seasons back. And it, was, it had power. It had finesse. It was delicious. Because I wanted to give uh, Jane Sancho that little bit of time. But yeah, Dortmund and Leipzig emerging as favorites. Holland. Lazio. Sorry, Lazio, sorry. Emerging as favorites um, in Group F. Dortmund seems to have the juice. And that juice is Thor himself. They called upon him. They called upon him, Tyler. Thor is here. He's waving that hammer. I was saying he brought the hammer. He brought the hammer down. And and I would not be surprised. They're chasing number one in the Bundesliga right now, um, only losing to Bayern Munich a few few games back. They have three losses in, in all competitions so far for the season. That's really impressive. That's yeah. really impressive to me. And that uh, actually that uh, game that they lost to Bayern Munich was the one where Kimmich went down. Mm. So um, we'll, we'll see if they're uh, able to capitalize on that. Now, our next topic of discussion Let's talk is about very it. interesting because I feel like it, there, there's a lot of layers to this mm-hmm. as well. Absolutely. Uh, I, I put in our document, is Liverpool in trouble? Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched them play a beautiful game against Leicester City, one of the bigger surprises in the Premier League, playing really well. Jamie Vardy is playing some of the best soccer of, of his life right now, but they still won 3 nothing despite all the injuries that they're having. Mm-hmm. And after the game, their coach, uh, Jurgen Klopp, really went after football in general, saying that they only care about the contracts. They only care about you know, the deals. They don't care about the players. So these short time frames in between games, uh, especially in an uh, unprecedented COVID-infused uh, season, you know, that they, they haven't shown a willingness to adapt and you know, really take player safety into, uh, in, into mind, uh, which he has since not retracted, but he said uh, earlier today that he would stop as Greg and I were talking, he would stop bringing it up because basically he has no uh, manager support mm-hmm. uh, from the other managers who, who seem to just be playing nice with everything. But Greg and I went and looked because uh, one of the things that was troubling to, to Klopp was how many games that they're going to be playing in the month of December, often with less than three or four days of turnaround. So in December, Liverpool plays eight games. Greg and I went and looked at a couple other teams. We didn't want to run through the whole Premier League, but we looked at Chelsea and we looked at Tottenham. Tottenham has nine games. Chelsea also has eight. So it's not just Klopp's team. It is unfortunate that his team is the one that is still getting hurt. And honestly, if you listen to our podcast on injuries, Greg and I actually agree with him. Mm -hmm. He's not wrong. Player safety should be at the forefront of a lot of this, and it's not. So with that in mind, we jump into uh, Liverpool's loss to Atalanta, which 
looking at Atalanta, it's not a fluke necessarily. No. Atalanta's a very, very good team. Yeah. And that, uh, that group, Group D, also has a hungry Ajax team in it as well. Mm-hmm. Atalanta and Ajax are tied with seven points. Liverpool leads with nine. I don't know necessarily that they're in trouble, but they don't have the bench depth that a team like Bayern Munich has. And I think that could spell trouble for them potentially. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that a lot of, uh, when I was listening to a lot of the, the media out there, I heard some, uh, some comments like, this team should be beware or take warning after the loss to Atalanta uh, this past week. Now, I just, I just wanna, I just wanna run some stats with you guys, or at least if you watch that Atalanta game, Atalanta had to play them down. Now it was a very clean game. One yellow card, I think, on both sides, or just one yellow card for the game. Very clean game between the two, and it was a It was a truly fast paced struggle between both of them. Atalanta came out gunning, bearing fangs, and Liverpool held off, played in. They played, now they had a slower start than they're used to. Don't get me wrong, but they have two guys straight out of the academy playing um, the right center back and the right back position where uh, Williams they're both Williams, as a matter of fact. But uh, Nico Williams on, on the right-back position was playing way out of his position and having to run, chase the ball back all the way into the back of the field to defend. They played an exception. Allison played his skin off in that game and just about 60 minutes in got two, conceded two goals from two uh, defensive mistakes. Now, yes, I also heard this on the media outlets that – their def- that their inexperience in defense was the reason why they lost that game. This is true. Nothing is wrong with saying that. That is absolutely true. But for them to be to beware, guys, they, they have won 64 Premier League home games, which is a new league record. Liverpool has been on the up and up over the past four years. They still have basically the same team. They they didn't have their they didn't have a Firmino playing in the front. They didn't have their, you know, uh, the defense that they're used to having. uh, Not Van de Beek. Yeah, Van de Beek. They didn't have uh, Virgil (laughs) van Dijk playing in the back. Uh, That, you know, there's only so much that they can do in the situation that they're in. All I could say is, is that make it through the rest of this year when the transfer window opens back up. It's Klopp's opportunity to either get more young players in or to get some experienced players in at a price that they could afford. I don't know what their transfer market budget is, but now is probably the time to look at getting some more depth in the, in, in the team to help with some of these injury issues. It's not for them to win per se, but it's for them to lose, honestly. And I don't think that Klopp is the, the kind of manager. He's kind of free-flowing. You know, he's got great energy and that sort of stuff. I just think that um, – and I think that the, the reason, the second reason why he is not going to talk more about the, the lack of breaks that his players are going to see 
is because it is what it is. And if he's projecting that energy, how is that going to look on some of the, how is that going to feel for some of the younger players and how they approach the game moving forward? That's the only thing I'll tell them to beware or take notice or take warning after that loss. Klopp as a leader probably needs to, to dial back a little bit because if he feeds them that energy of doubt and despair and, oh, woe is me, that the, that the, now I agree with him. I agree with him. But there are some things that you probably need to take up privately and some things that you could push out publicly. Well, I, I think that's part of why he backed down so quickly. It's not a sign of defeat. Klopp is way too smart of a coach to to let something like that influence him that much. Mm-hmm. He knows when to pick his battles. And like you said, I think it's more of a morale. It's like, okay, well, I guess, you know, if I don't have the support, I'll I'll step back. Let's just start focusing on these on these other games. Yeah, it's he he's too smart. Yeah. He's he's too good of a coach. Like I, I my my pause there was for for me to think of some other thing. It's like no, he he knows what he's doing. He knows yeah. he he and he said all those things about the the state of the Premier League schedule after winning three nothing. So you mm-hmm. can tell it's something that's been bothering. Like it's something that I, I think he he just wanted to get it out. Yeah. To see what kind of response he could get, and then when he didn't get one, he moved on. Yeah. So I think I think that that will be the end of that. He's going to put the the focus back on winning the games. He does have a tough one coming up against um, Ajax in this competition, where Atalanta is going to be going up against Middleton, Middleton, and um, that's where the focus needs to be. I, he, you know, you're you have. You, the the Premier League, you have this. I think that they're out of the um, one of the domestic cups that they have uh, going on, where they lost uh, on penalties. There's there's only so much competition that you could go for, and the Premier League is one of the, if not the most competitive leagues, because of the amount of cup and games that the, the cup games and the the, the continental games, the domestic games. There's a lot that's going on there. He has a lot on his plate, and he just put that aside. And and you are right. They are out of the uh, the cup that they're out of is the Carabao Cup. Thank uh, you. Which is I... why uh, Tottenham has one more game over both Chelsea and Liverpool in December because Tottenham is still in that cup. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I can remember if it was the, the, the Carabao Cup or the FA. But Carabao was first, FA is after. Anyway, last but not least, guys. We got to talk about the quickest man in the West, or I should say in the East, since they're, they're out that way. Um, Vidal, fastest man alive to a second yellow, that is, that got him sent off uh, in the last game that, that Inter Milan played against Real Madrid. Uh, now, I'm going to use a little bit of a theater talk here <laughs> and a little theater advice for, for Vidal. I think he should talk less and smile more. Now, if Vidal was able to watch the the hit Broadway show uh, Hamilton, he may have benefited with this warning. Now, the Chilean was sent off from uh, from the second the the second the quickest second yellow card 
of all time uh, from allegedly telling the referee some sort of explicities, uh, some sort of explicits. I'm not going to get too much into that. But the quote coming and cited from the Marsa is that he, he told the, the referee, VAR gives you the bleep to look at and still there's nothing. Now, I watched that, I watched that clip two, three, four, five times. I don't think he said that. He got way up in the referee's face. He said something to him. And if you looked at, at the reaction, the, the referee was like, the referee was walking away. And he looks at Vidal like, he, like Vidal told him something about his mother. Like, he, like, like he the looked, Zidane, uh, uh, who was the person that Zidane headbutted? I can't remember. The poor Italian player. Uh, but but the, the look in the referee's eyes was like, how dare you disrespect me that way, sir? How dare you? Yeah, it was it was almost street fightish. Yeah. Like <laughs> these two people were fighting. One of them was walking away while his buddies were pushing him away and like it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Vidal said something and the ref turned around like, "Excuse me?" <laughs> and then he couldn't that, yeah. and then he could and then he couldn't get it out, which made it even worse cuz he the you could just see all he it, there was just like the panic and he's like I can't get the can't get this thing out red card <laughs> so so the the first the first yellow came out quicker than fast and then Vidal was like are you I could imagine like you know whatever language he was speaking is like are you effing kidding me and then gets right up into the referee's face I'm talking about COVID danger you know what I'm saying like <laughs> right up into the referee's face. And, and says something to him, and he looks at him again and struggles to get the second yellow. He pulls out the yellow card and then struggles to get the red card out. Now, guys, Vidal has, has you know, he has roughly about a, 130 yellow cards in his career with uh, 13 second yellows and about three red cards outright, right? The, the person who I researched that has more would be uh, Sergio Ramos. Right, and all teams need that in- intimidation factor. That guy on the field that can intimidate the rest of the kids. Some guys off the top of my head will be like Rivaldo, uh, Pepe, uh, Yapstam, who's uh, Gattuso, uh, Gattuso, uh, even uh, Peter Schmeichel was a bad boy back there in, in in the goal when he was playing for for Manchester United. And to some capacity, those those are guys in the modern game. I um, wouldn't even get to. To, to the bad boys of old because they were bad. They were, you know, the Italian, the Italian back line were bad. They, they shut you down. They make sure that you <laughs> never wanted to play football ever again. Now, unfortunately, in some of these cases, the emotions get hot. And in this situation, Vidal took his, his, his heat. Now, I would give Vidal this. I give him the benefit of the doubt because he is a Barcelona old boy, right? I give him the benefit of the doubt. There were three occasions, at least on screen, that I saw he got fouled and there was no call, right? Well, sorry, he got fouled. There was one call on one of them, and two, there was no call, and he appealed for it. He actually got fouled. This last one, I I, I looked at the replay about 100 times, guys, right? Varane had his foot on the ball, and as he was pulling back, Vidal kicks the ground and dives. That's what I saw, right? There was no contact between, except for the contact on the way down. On the way down, he, he, gets, he gets on to uh, Varane's leg 
and rolls off, hits the floor, and is like, call the penalty. Because they're looking for that now, right? That, that, now, that's just the game that they play. Diving is part of the game now in soccer, to, much to my dismay. The, ba- the bad part, the, the part that, that he was wrong on, was getting up in the referee's face the first time. Getting up in the referee's face the second time. And the lack of sportsmanship that he had when he did not want to leave the field once the red was issued. And I would say, I think it was on the second time, there was a little chest bump with the ref. ref yes! yes. And this, this is across the board in all sports. Don't touch the ref. You don't. You don't. And if you want to make that kind of appeal, let your captain do it because they're mm-hmm. given a little more leniency because they are the captain. Not that the captain would chest bump them, you know, or you hit them with their chest or anything like that. But the captains are allowed to get a little bit more vocal because Correct. they're appealing. They are the spokesman for their team. I, I the have ref seen... would rather hear that from the captain than from somebody else. Correct. And I've seen situations where Messi has, has put his hand gently on the shoulder of the referee trying to appeal a call the referee will be like sir and he'll respectfully step back and he has a conversation he has a little bit of dialogue he's like what the hell's going on out there like my guys are getting hit (laughs) you know like he's having that dialogue and if you've ever played the game that has been refereed against um some nasty opponents you know that behind uh behind closed doors so to speak but just not on on the screen like i played i played left back a lot when I played soccer, when I played football, um, there were many times that I would get stepped on, pushed, shoved, grabbed. That's not seen by the referee because it's away from the action. There's no doubt that uh, that, that is going on. And Vidal probably got roughed up a little bit while he was, but he's a physical guy. He's a physical player and he could get into those positions. Needless to say, Vidal's behavior was unacceptable and I think that he should learn from the saying, talk less, smile a little bit more. And I, not, not that this necessarily excuses it as well, but the very same thing happened, but Real Madrid got the call earlier mm-hmm. in the game, which led to a hazard penalty and Correct. subsequent goal. So I happened think that, early too, like seven minutes in, I think it was, mm-hmm. um, so I, I think that that was also part of it is like, oh, you're good. Which again, refing consistency, something that I thought cha- the Champions League refs had kind of fixed a little bit. It kind mm-hmm. of reared up again this weekend, not just in this game, not just in the PSG game, but across some of the other games that I watched as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the refs need to kind of sit down and talk about how they want to ref because um, the, there, there's no consistency. And I think that is what influenced his reaction more than anything. Mm-hmm. Doesn't excuse it. Doesn't excuse it. I'm, it I'm not, not providing him with an excuse, but I'm telling his his appeal was valid. the The attack on the referee was wrong, an unsportsmanlike. So, with with all these things in mind, we got day nine and we got day ten coming up. All right, we get into our five minute stoppage time, Tyler. We are on the clock. Let's go. So despite some of these uh, groups being locked up, um, still going to go through all the scores. So for day nine, we have Shakhtar versus Real Madrid, uh, Lokomotiv Moscow versus Salzburg, 
Mönchengladbach versus Inter Milan, Marseille versus Olympiacos, uh, Atletico Madrid versus uh, Bayern Munich, Liverpool versus Ajax. It's going to be a great game. Atalanta versus Midland and Porto versus Man City. So there's that matchup that could decide who wins that group. I think both of those teams are through, are through, but that could really what what makes the Champions League unique is the way that their quarterfinal is set up where the first place team will play the second place team in another group and you know all of that. So it could work out in Man City's favor or it couldn't depending on who wins that game. So for me, uh, I think that Atletico Madrid-Bayern Munich game will be great. Liverpool-Ajax game will be great. And the Porto-Man City game will be one to watch as well. That, that Porto game actually has me pretty interested. But I, I'm, I must say that the games that really have me stoked will be Group H. All the games in Group H got me stoked. And yeah, I think that's, that's, my, that's my main interest this week. And Group D. Group D, Liverpool has me interested as well. I really want to see what comes of that and how Klopp is going to rebound from, from this loss. I'm not worried about them. Neither should you. I'm not worried about them, and I'll tell you why. Mm. Liverpool, despite having the, the short turnaround, they're playing Brighton this weekend. They might still lose that game, but I think that Klopp is going to rest everybody. He has no reason to throw out his A team against Brighton. No. He doesn't care about the wins and losses, at least right now. There are 38 games that they play in the Premier League. They're only on game 10 or 11. Plenty yeah. of time. He, like I said, he's smart. He's not going to throw his A team out there. He's mm-hmm. going to rest everybody that he can so that he can focus on that Ajax game because that could decide that group and get him kicked out of the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Not him, but his team. You knew where it Yeah, I got you. <laughs> so for day 10, we have Istanbul, Bashikshir versus Leipzig, Krasnodar versus Rain, Dortmund versus Lazio, Brugge versus Zenit, Ferenc Veros versus Barcelona, Juventus versus Dynamo Kiev, Man United versus PSG, and Sevilla versus Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, Dortmund versus Lazio, beautiful. Yeah. Man U versus PSG. The the game I, of the week. Yeah, it, it's the game of the week for good or bad. <laughs> yeah, it's the and, game um, of the week. I, I don't see Sevilla or Chelsea really trying in, the, in that game. They're Mm-mm. both through. I, I think that ends up a 0-0 draw, although on paper it's not a bad game. It might be battle of the youths. Like you might see their, their, uh, their second squad, their next runners up. Uh, coming in, kind of the, the, an opportunity for the managers to see uh, the next set of talent coming in, and and um, and that's 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 kind of where I see it. That's it's not it's not one of the games with that Manchester United game. I want to see some consistency with those boys going forward um, and putting the putting the hammer down on that Manu team, on that speaking, uh, PSG team. And speaking of hammer, um, your boy Thor. Recently Thor. dubbed, um, could throw the hammer down on uh, Lazio and mm-hmm. avenge uh, their week one loss against them. Fast. So lo- lots of interesting stuff happening. Um, you're going to see these races get tighter and tighter. 
Um, as Greg said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Mm -hmm. uh, and that the Champions League, uh, the way it's set up, is uh, the, the, there's no better example of that, to, to be honest. And um, you'll, you'll notice here in the next couple of weeks for these groups that are locked up, we're probably going to stop talking about them. And uh, we're going to start to focus on the, the big races. And um, especially after this week, I think we can start looking into the, uh, the group of 16 and start trying to uh, examine how, what's going to happen there. Because I think a lot's going to be clear after this week. Absolutely. Absolutely. But anyway, guys. Thank you all for tuning to the podcast today. I know that this was a long one, but we had a lot of information going down. We really appreciate your support and your ears. Don't forget to like, listen, and share with your friends, your family, even with your dog, all those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. We'll see you guys on the next one.